down the road, you'd be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the ones you did. So dream, explore, say yes to life. Be inspired to live life as an exciting adventure of discovery. You are listening to the Inspire Possibility Show, and I'm your host, Mark Sussman. Hi, everybody. This is Mark Sussnell. Welcome to the Inspire Possibility Show. Every week I invite various individuals that I consider visionaries, people that are cutting-edge thought leaders, people that hopefully will inspire me and inspire you, and we can all learn and and perhaps get insight on something that um, we put on the back burner. And the guest I have today is Mina Samuels. She's the author of Run Like a Girl, and uh, she's also a co-author of the New York bestseller of the Think Big Manifesto. So that kind of intrigued me. Plus, in her background, she was a trial lawyer, and, and a lot of you know I was a trial lawyer. So I said, okay, i got to have a conversation with Mina. So welcome, Mina, to the <laughs> Inspire Possibility Show. Thank you for having me on, Mark. And it's always interesting. People will ask me, well, do you regret you went to law school or do you feel like it's helpful? And I always think it's helpful in the most unexpected ways, like this. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it, 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 it is. Uh, no, it's true. I mean, we. what I find is almost everything I've done in my life at some point kind of comes together, like I think of it as this invisible web that connects more than we realize and it transcends time and space, and uh, just about everything I've done, stuff that I'm going, boy, that was a waste. Now, I happen to, to like being a lawyer because I was very, at the time, I was very idealistic, and I wanted to save the world, and I did that mm-hmm. for a while, and then, like you, life, you have, life changes, and you have new, new aspirations, new goals, and I think that's one of the things that you know, I think I've discovered is that, you know, a lot of people look for, they want to find the meaning of their life and they're looking for the purpose of their life. And, and what I found is that changes. Have you, have you found that too? That is what you were saying just resonates so deeply for me. I, I went to law school out of idealism, out of an idea that I would use law to save the world. And for a while, my life followed that path a bit. I found that um, the litigation I was doing was not as soul-satisfying as what I wanted to be doing, and I had pigeonholed myself a little bit um, by going to a more corporate commercial law firm because I thought that would be a good training ground. Um, and I also started to realize that it wasn't – the way that was going to work for me necessarily. And um, so I started to make changes. I came to New York to um, study my master's of law and international law. And, you know, I have, when I think about my life on bad days, I think, oh my gosh, it's just a whole bunch of 
you know, going down that road and then turning around and coming back a little and finding another path. But as you say, I do feel now how connected everything I've done is and how each thing has nourished um, the way in which I can now pursue what I feel very strongly as a purpose um, in all of the work that I do. So, so that which was a leads long, me, the longest answer to yes. <laughs> I know. But that also leads me to the next question. Is So what, is, what do you feel your purpose is now? Well, I have um, – Okay, I, I have listened to a few of your shows, so I feel like I can I can uh, answer in the fullest way, which is that um, back in 2013, I did a um, a vision fast down in New Mexico, and uh, it was one of those programs where you sort of spend four days beforehand sitting in a council circle, thinking about you know what is it that you want to go meditate on in the desert while you're fasting and then you go and you do it and then you come back and you talk and think about it. So I I have actually a very specific purpose, which is the intention I went out into the desert with and which it is of course true that over the last six years, I might have, um, I might, I may have refined it at its fundamental core. It remains um, very much a driver in what I do. And that is to create, um, art that brings people closer to themselves, um, which I think is one of the important fundamental things that needs to happen for all of us, for us to understand that we need to understand ourselves so that we can then see and begin to really feel the connections we have with everything else in the world and our when, res- responsibility to right and when you say uh, art do you mean do you mean visual art or is it a way of being no i mean art well for me art is generally my writing it might also be um uh it might also be performing which i do a little bit of although i'm much more on the writing side but you know for example i just had a um in addition to this, uh, this is a good year for me, um, in addition to this book, um, Run Like a Girl 365 Days, which is coming out, which I put in the category of art, since I put writing in that category, um, uh-huh. I had an ensemble play for 10 women that um, had a production at University of Illinois back in March. And um, how, the process of how we rehearsed the play and how we sort of created the staging of the play and all of that, we were trying to work in a very specific fashion that was somewhat different from how theater is traditionally made. And at the end of that whole process, many of the women who were in the cast and stage management spoke to me and to the director and said, you know, this play really changed our lives. It's so that's oh. what I mean. It's that's sort of nice feedback, it, right? You like oh, that feedback. It's the best. It's the best. I mean, it's the most. Um, yeah, it's the most rewarding thing to think that what you are working on has reached out and touched someone and made them um, think in a 
in a deeper way about what they're doing uh, in the world. So that is, I guess that is what I think of as my purpose. I would say that I am particularly focused on women in the world uh, because I am one and so I know, I, I know them a little bit better just as a result. Uh, uh-huh. So you, you um, what got you, so you started writing and did, did you get this idea for a particular book? What, what was that process of here you are? I mean, I know I've interviewed a lot of writers. I'm a writer myself. And everybody has, you know, pretty much a different path. Of their, I mean, did you get a calling? I need to write a book. Or what was going on with you when, when, when you got this, okay, this message, I need to do this? Well, I would say that um, writing was something I was always interested in as a kid, and then I put it on the back burner for a long time, um, partly due to a nasty English teacher. Um, this specific new book was born while I was out on the Vision Fast. I wanted to – I had written the first Run Like a Girl book, which was a little more – I don't want to say that it was programmatic, but it was about the transformative impact of sports in women's lives. And that, you know, that book was very much, I was trying to think, well, I want to write something that's nonfiction. And a friend, I was brainstorming with a friend and she said, well, what are you passionate about? What is the passionate thing that you want to communicate? And I said, well, I feel passionately about how sports impacts women's lives. And I know from talking to many friends that it's, I'm not alone in that. The second book, I wanted to go deeper into the topic um, of this impact and, and take it beyond the personal to each individual woman and sort of look at, because I, I feel that there is a trend in society now to kind of talk about spiritual transformation as if it's, this kind of easy one, two, three thing, like come and do this one yoga class and, and you'll be right. transformed and or visualize, you're going to walk out a better Visualize person. it. Yeah, visualize it. Yeah, and, and then it's just going to happen and, and everything yeah. will be easy. And it's not, right. it's hard and it's continuous work and it's going to be messy at times. And I wanted, to, but it's necessary and it's worthy and the reason that we want to engage in sports that have, you know, the reason that we want the transformative impact of the sports in our lives is so that we can give back into the world so that we are stronger people in the world making a difference. And so that was where I I wanted to take this second book. I just want to add in there about some of the sports you do for our listeners. You're a runner, a cycler, swimmer, cross-country skiing, hiking, snowshoeing, kayaking, climbing, yoga. You compete in sprints, Olympic length, and half-marathon triathlons, and road races, and also you participated in the Canadian Ski Marathon, a two-day, 100-mile cross-country ski event. Wow. Yes, I have done all of those things. And I, I could add a few. I have some of those have shifted out, and I've shifted in more things that are on trails, um, sort of trail running events. A few ultra marathons, though I'm not sure that's something 
a few ultra runs on trails, but um, my body is telling me that maybe that's not um, something for me to pursue that much anymore. But, but yes, so I do do a lot of um, sports. I love the outdoors. And I love nature. And and where do you live now? I'm just curious. So I live in, right now, I am in Manhattan, where I live most of the time. But we also spend um, about three months a year, three and a half months a year, out in um, the Sierra Mountains in Truckee, California. I know Truckee. So... So we get our dose of um, we get our dose of of mountain time when we're out there, and I love having right. both of those things. So I have to say that New York is great for the outdoors too. Um, Central Park is just wonderful, and there's lots of trees, and there's a running path up the west side that's also uh, fantastic. So you know, I get both uh, ends of the spectrum. So what right now was your advice for other people out there? If you could say to them, do one thing, what would that be? Slow down. Hmm? Um, slow down. Slow down. I feel slow down a little. I feel like we are we are moving at everything seems to move at such a high velocity, the news cycle, the social media cycle, the need to be connected cycle. And um, it is interfering with our, the natural intuition that we have in our bodies. And we can't hear it as well. And, and, and what we absorb through our bodies from nature and our surroundings. And I feel like we um, need a bit more of that, that we are, you know, in the United States at this moment, there's a great tendency in groups of people to spiral into, you know, um, anger or outraged resentment or, you know, I'm so depressed, I just can't move because of, you know, what just happened in the news cycle. And that's not helping any of us. And um, so I guess I, I think that, that, that slowing down and, and paying attention <clears throat> a little bit more to, how, to what we're doing. To, to what each right. individual person is doing. Like an example that I give sometimes to people is, yes, I think that it is um, a, a great deal of concern that the EPA is being eviscerated. It's terrible. But the thing is I can do a little bit about that. I can't do it politically. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a politician, but I can I can be mindful about my own behavior if I pause and think about, okay, how am I in the world? What am I doing in the world? How can I be more environmental? How can I, you know, just take ownership of my little piece of what's going on in the world and be more mindful about it? And I think that requires that we, that we slow down a little. 
Right. So slow down, slow down, and 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 when you were talking about slowing down, I was thinking about if it's possible to do like a like a 24-hour digital detox, where you just totally oh. turn off everything, right, for 24 hours. Yes. It's not like the world's gonna go without you. Or I mean, I say to somebody like with meditation, when when I first started talking about meditation. And I say, look, for, for 20 minutes, right, whatever problems you have, you can stop worrying about them for 20 minutes because they'll be there. They're not going to run away. So you don't have to worry about them <laughs> running away from you. So, so it's this idea of, of if we could do that and slowing down. Also, I think of, of, of uh, you know, what you said earlier, that people are, are looking for the easy solution just with, you know, again, about visualizing, what, think about what you want, visualize it. And, and I think it's good to a certain extent because it helps you get clarity about what your goals are, about what you really want. But that's just part of it. And the, and it but you have to, as you said, you have to do the work, you have to work hard to, yes. to make it happen. And, and um, so you, you wrote the Think, uh, tell me about the Think Big Manifesto you you, you uh, connected with Michael Port and you co-wrote that. Tell me about how that came to yes, happen. Yes, we. Well, that came to happen because I had um, worked with him in an editorial capacity on one or two. I'm now. I think it was actually two previous books. And when he came to me about the third book, you know, sort of as an incentive to make the relationship more appealing to me, he said, "How about we make this a." Uh, a co-authorship and they were ideas that I was on board with I mean they're the kinds of ideas that also ripple through run like a girl um, in terms of you know taking ownership of our potential and um, you know allowing yourself to release that potential by 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 trying to cut through the the things in your life that are not um, serving that potential that you're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. So, so then you had a, a, a prior relationship, and because uh, I know I'm I'm familiar with his work, so that was really a, a great opportunity for you then to connect with him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. It was it was wonderful, and uh, yes, I really enjoyed working with him. He was um, he was open to ideas, and he had so many ideas himself that um, that it was a real pleasure. And I've worked with a lot of um, I've worked with a lot of different authors across the spectrum of subjects and you know styles. So. Um, and he was definitely one of the, you know, easy and inspiring um, people to collaborate with. Right. And, and my understanding, too, is that you, you've been a ghostwriter at times. Is that correct? I have been. a Yes, exactly. I don't do that so much anymore because, well, <laughs> part of that came about after I went I... to that vision fast because I was using it. I was starting to realize that I was using the ghostwriting 
and the major editorial projects I was doing as ways of avoiding um, my own writing, as ways of giving myself an excuse not to put myself on the line and not to put myself out there. And, um, and so after I came back from that vision fast, I thought, okay, it's really scary, but I am going to commit to my work at a much higher level than I've been doing before. So what, do you, what were you afraid of? Uh, well, way, what were you afraid of? I was afraid of failure and humiliation and not being up to the task. I, I say that as if it's past tense, but of course it's, right. it, you know, it's maybe less of a day-to-day fail. It's less of a day-to-day concern, but there's definitely mornings where I wake up and I think, oh, Mina, you're kidding yourself with this whole purpose thing. Like you have a purpose uh-huh. that's so arrogant and outrageous and, you know, who do you think you are? But um, but then I talk myself down off that ledge and I I get back to work and start doing my work again. So, it you know, it's... It, it's those fears and um, they can be, they can be crippling for us. They can prevent us from doing what we know we really want to be doing. Yeah, I I know about those fears and and I think at some level we're always going to have them, right? But the question is, is what level? And there's always going to be a little, because a lot of people, some of the people that are on the path of, of 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 consciousness talk about, you know, doing away with your negative thoughts and all that kind of stuff. But I, but I think at some level, they're going to be there to a certain extent, and that's okay, because as long as they don't stop you, and I think that's the key is you can have these doubts and these. Limiting beliefs, but don't let them stop you. Just notice them, and then do what you're here to do. And I think that's what you've done. I good I work. Could not good agree work. more. And I, I thank you, thank you. I have recently been. Um, I recently read a book called The Art of Fear by Kristen Ulmer, and um, she talks about an idea, and she she proposes an idea that you meditate on fear and so you sit down on your meditation cushion and you you literally kind of say to fear that voice how are you today what are Uh you feeling today and 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 very specifically she's like don't don't think to yourself i think i'm afraid of blah let fear speak its own words and what it's afraid of and um and and just let it speak that's all just be gentle and listen so I have been meditating on fear uh, the last month, I would say, with some regularity, and I have found it utterly fascinating. It's just utterly fascinating the fears, the 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 fears that that voice will list to me, and the ways in which once they are listed you know, out loud in my mind, um, they can then rest and take it easy. And not um, not get to me so much. So so I don't think I I'm just agreeing with you. We can't. I, I think that getting rid of the negative voices is absolutely impossible. Um, it's right. it's befriending them a little bit. It's letting them be. It's 
accepting that they're there, but that doesn't have to stop you. Yeah, I just I just try to where I've come to is I just notice them. I don't try to reason with them. You know, it's that because usually the negative voice is some form. Well, the critical child or who do you think you are, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just I notice it. I notice it that it's there, yeah. and but I don't get into like an argument with it or a debate. I just notice it, and <laughs> and what I do now, I've come up with a good technique. When I do is I, because in coach I call it your VOJ, your voice of judgment. So what I do, mm-hmm. I, I suggest people give it a name. So I call mine Ralph. So when I when mm. I see that when I hear that voice, I go you know okay Ralph I hear you, and what I've done recently is I kind of turn my head a little bit, like I'm looking at Ralph, and what it does it kind of detaches me, it kind of, from that voice. So I become more like the witness. I'm just noticing that voice, and then I go on to, you know, what I'm here to do. But I, rather than get into a dialogue, because that, that voice mm-hmm. of judgment, if you get in a dialogue, it's going gonna, it's gonna to beat you up every time. So that's kind of right. what I've been doing. <laughs> oh, hey, Ralph. Uh, that's okay. A- that's a great way of putting it. Uh, it's this idea yeah. that we don't we're not we don't argue with that voice. We don't try yeah. to convince it that it's wrong. We right. just right. Oh, okay, you're there. I respect that you're there and that you have an opinion. Yeah. And yeah. and I'm going to go about my day. I'm going to have to think of a name for my yeah. voice of fear. <laughs> I, I suggest to everybody I work with. Pick a name. Pick a name. I'm, I'm going to do and, that. I think I'm probably going to wait till my meditation tomorrow morning, unless it just comes to me, um, unless it just comes to me during this evening after I've talked to you. Yeah, yeah. It, it just, it just is, is. That's kind of what I've done, and, and like I say, I become, you know, I've, I've got because so so often when you get into meditation, they talk about, you know, be the witness. Right, I mean, you hear that a lot. Be the witness, and so in a way, this yeah. technique—you kind of are the witness of that voice, of that that voice of doubt, that that voice of judgment. And and um, wow, I'm so glad that you 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 uh, were able to be my guest on on this show today. I mean, I've just found this uh, fascinating conversation. And uh, it was such a it was such a pleasure talking to you. I know, and and you're doing so many incredible things. So, how do people get a hold of your book? Let's talk about your book. How do people get your book? Tell well, us at what the moment, the again. best way. So, I have well, I have Run Like a Girl, 365 Days a Year, which is the new book that's coming out and is available for pre-order on Amazon and um, Barnes and Noble and you know, wherever you can pre-order books. It should be out in about a month uh, in bookstores. Um, but pre-ordering is wonderful. I have the first Run Like a Girl book, um, which is Run Like a Girl, How Strong Women Make Happy Lives. That's also available anywhere that books are available, um, online and uh, brick and mortar, though probably online is better since it came out seven years ago. And um, and there's the Think Big Manifesto, again, online probably better. And I do have a novel that came out many years ago, The Queen of Cups, 
But, you know, if you're in the mood for a historical novel um, based on um, the real lives of Charles Peirce, an American philosopher, and his wife, Juliet, who was a bit of a, a bit of a mystical character, then there's that as well. Uh-huh. And if anyone and wants to get in to, touch with I... me, I, I'm on Facebook and, um, and also through my website, my emails um, on the website also. Wow. So there you have it. Thank you, Mina Samuels, for being our guest today, and thank you for out there listening to the show. And, and as you know, every week we have amazing people that, that bless us, join us, and inspire us. And until the meantime, journey on. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel inspired to take the next step in your life. And if you haven't already, please take the time to visit my website at inspirepossibility.com and discover the various services and products we offer that could just very well change your life.